yeah, at that point I needed a designer. I was like, geez, I think I like compared my drawing to someone else's drawing. I'm like, geez, this could be a lot better if I just like had someone that knew how to do drafting. Yeah. I don't know what, what's your fond early memories of this? Oh, let's see. Um, there's got to be something that sticks out. There's going to yeah. be a good story about oh, that. Oh, there's a couple. All right. I'm here today with the longest running employee of Mac Construction. Today, we are going to be talking about all things pre-construction. That's where this guy's life lives. And anything from designing something to estimating something to getting the project rolled over into execution mode. So, Zach Scott, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a long time you've been here. It's probably changed a little bit from the day one we started. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things have switched up here and there. Yeah, and uh, so the pre-construction life, I know you, well, you've lived this, this is almost 10 years. Yeah, 10 years and a couple months. So, wow. Yeah, it's uh, Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. So, uh, I didn't even think I was going to make it in business for 10 years. So I guess I'm, I'm grateful to even be sitting here with you, uh, both of us. So yeah, the, so what's, you know, what's some of the things that you work to, you, we are in springtime, North Dakota. So, um, everything bids right now Yep. and for a summer execution type, because we have seasonal conditions in North Dakota. Yep. So what's some of the, what's some of the stuff you're working on? What are you, what are you doing right now? So uh, we just got off our probably, hopefully, our biggest bid week of the year. Um, typically, our, you know, everybody in construction, their off season is from January till early April, and that's kind of our go time. So, um, yeah, right now we're working on anywhere from three to eight bids a week, um, pushing out as much as we can here, hopefully, you know, trying to fill up our year. Um Anywhere from design build to um, random government projects, you know, design bid build, uh, city, state, private, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. So, you, so I always feel like people like this is a smaller market, I would consider. Yeah. um, Where you have to be multifaceted (laughs) in a lot of things. Like, we don't just bid one thing. Like, like in bigger towns, they just get good at like concrete or good at, you know, steel erection or good at uh, managing strip mall projects. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no. And that's the crazy part about this is we are so multifaceted. We, you know, if it's anything commercial construction or multifamily, we've kind of grown into that. And that's, you know, our niche, which you're exactly right. It's such a, it's such a broadband, you know, genre of construction compared to most companies in, you know, larger metro areas. You know, we're kind of, right. We do it all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, we still we still say we do it there's, all. So. There, there's not enough people here, you know. It's like what is there seven hundred thousand in North Dakota? Yeah, something like that. I mean, there's towns with seven hundred thousand that. Yeah. So we're a pretty big state if you look at it on the map. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes we get North Dakota. That's a state. Well, and it's it's crazy because, uh, you know, even just branching out of Grand Forks, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve, you know. Um, starting to bid in Fargo and we actually bid a, a larger project this week where, you know, it's, it's completely different worlds bidding, you know, in one town or one small region versus as you start to move South and towards uh, larger populations, it's just, everything is so fast paced. There's so many different contractors and everybody still knows everybody. But yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know, the, the options are limitless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you, so walk me through one of these bids real quick, because this is a, this is like a glorified like shit show. Like this is like, I, I just remember back in the day, it's just like, there's a lot of shit happening at the last minutes. Um, why? And like, so how do you, how do you set yourself up for success walking into maybe a bid you did last week, maybe bids just how you normally set them up? So, and they're all a little different, but, um, you know, I'll use the one we did this week as an example. Uh, it's, uh, it's a ton of pre-planning and, you know, I've, I've, uh, told a few people this now it's kind of like, you know, just going to practice before a game, you know, the, the last 24 hours that, that unfortunately the game is 24 hours long. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint, you oh, okay. know, it feels like a 24 hour sprint, but, um, you know, getting your invitation to bid out, um, attending any and every pre-bid conference meeting that, um, 
the architect or owner offers. Um, so, so project comes to you where, where you find it, you found it somewhere, right? Like, is it, or did it, you just get invited to these yeah, things? Yeah, so this one, um, we actually had the architect reach out. We're starting to see that a little bit more and more. Um, they're still, I mean, we're a part of, I think, three, four, uh, five different, um, tra- it's like builders and traders, uh, bid exchanges, all that type so, of thing. So this so, is just where jobs live. Yeah. And contractors so, can pluck out which ones they like yep, and don't so like. There's... Um, like Quest CDN, uh, Construction Data Network, is a huge resource that we have. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a, becoming the centralized hub of uh, where projects lives from uh, the architects, you know. Is that nationwide or is that? It is. Oh, okay. Yep. So, so that's a nationwide. Quest, yep. Quest, what is it? Uh, Quest CDN is CDN. the website. Okay. Um, and it's becoming like the kind of almost the national standard. And it's, it's really nice in that aspect because yep. you get to see who you're bidding against. You get to see potential okay. subcontractors. You know, it's a little bit more data than you used to see in the local markets. Um, okay. And, you know, that's kind of the earliest stages of it. Um, but then going out and, you know, this is kind of where the legwork comes in or the practice is, you know, you can send out an invitation to bid, but, Unfortunately, your your call log becomes extremely long, and you know the next three to five days because you, you reach out to hundreds of people. So what what does that look like? So so the projects and you put out a request for bid. You're calling it. Yep. And so like, is that software based for you, or are you are you like calling everybody? It's still you know, and I am not sure if it's a regional thing or you know, again the North Dakota piece, but. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we started to uh, implement Procore as our not only our project management software, but our pre-construction software as well. Okay. And um, you can send out the invite to bid, and that's where our database of subcontractors is housed. But you still, gotcha. you know, still reaching out to every single person that you really want to bid from and trying to gain knowledge of local subs. Like this Fargo thing was interesting because you can, and it's something as simple as a Google search half the time of, uh, you know, I I need three more drywall guys, you know, just to have some, you know. You need bids to be competitive. Yeah, you need competitive you numbers need, and you need to, you know, the depth of each division is, you know, depending on the category key. Because, I mean, if, it, if they're $2 million of the bid, yep. you know, hopefully you have more than one answer for that. Right. And so you're, 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 you're posting on your Procore system, you're, you're outlaying saying, Hey, request for bid. Here's the project that we're going to probably bid prime on or yeah. something. And if you don't outreach to enough people, like, is that list live within Procore or is that something that yep. you have to build over time? It's something you build over time, but it's all, you know, once you like this week, especially, um, I think we added 12 different subcontractors just to gain, you know, all random people that we reached out to and just said, Hey, are you bidding? You know, and depending on where the conversation goes, they'll just say, yeah, please add me to your bidders list and for future. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, uh, so anyway, you got everyone out there and if you feel liked in a category, you start attacking, whether it's drywall, paint, concrete, whatever you're light in. Anything and everything. Okay. Yeah. uh, Um, so uh, is there any, what happens if you don't have any in a category? That's happened before. We're oh, in yeah. North Dakota. We don't get four in each category. So that's What's where, the challenge with that? You know, it's the the rule to live and die by, and I, I hate it, and I love it at the same time, and that is simply be a pack rat. So I have bids from, it's tough as um, through COVID and all the garbage there. Um yeah. You know, prices have changed dramatically, so inflation and whatnot. You know, it's hard to use p- some past data, but I keep every bid within the last two years. Oh wow! So if you do, you know, if you come to that point where hopefully you're never there, but it does always happen, some random category, um, yeah, you're pulling out a a bid from the past, and you call that subcontractor and say, "Hey, how do you feel?" Wow! So and, you got to rely on history a little bit. Yeah, that. Um, you know, it's historical data is something that um, it was actually a key talking point at a conference I went to last summer. Um, building that network, yep, and just a backlog of simple data that you know, it, there's going to be a time where everybody needs to come down to a, a gut check and yeah, 
is that based on accurate numbers or not. So gotcha. Wow. So that's, uh, that's intense. So it's, you're, you're collecting all these bids now. So you get to the time, like you what what's like the 24 hour race? Cause like, this is how many days in advance would you even get the project? Like what's the whole timeline? So typically it's two weeks from, okay. um, project release to bid date, uh, depending on the number of addenda added and, um, if bid date changes or something, there's a hiccup. I mean, it's all variable. Um, you know, most, uh, architects, engineers, they're nice enough to where you get a 24, 48 hour heads up, preferably 72, but uh, I've seen addenda be issued on bid day and it's never fun. But, uh, so what's, what's an addenda? Um, it's a change of plans, specs. Um, basically someone was reviewing the plans, pricing the project, and they found something that's either incorrect or, um, isn't possible, doesn't gotcha. standards, so on and so forth. Changing the scope or clarifying, yeah, the, clarifying scope the scope of the job. Work. Okay. Yep. Um, gotcha. Okay. I just needed to clarify that for yeah. the audience. That's kind of a long word. Yeah. It's longer than we typically contractors oh, yeah. use, you know? So it's usually just all the specific four letter words. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, okay. So, so two weeks to bid it. So you should get all your bids within a week. Oh, yeah. And then just be able to just kind of relax. Yeah, you're coasting. Yeah. Is that, no. that's how it goes? Oh, I, I wish. No. <laughs> um, let's see. The one so you close in on a week. What, what happens in the first week? Nothing? I, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it goes out to bidders and I hate to say it, but you know, I've done it too for our concrete division where you see, oh, it's due in two weeks. That's next week's problem. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that happens a lot with everybody, but I, I know even yesterday, uh, prime example or bid came down to two hours before and not a single electrical sub had a, um, material number or equipment number. So all oh, the supply houses are still uh, out trying to get bids for them to get to us. And wow, the chain effect happens where bids do it too. And it's 1259 and you have no electrical bids yet. So, <laughs> so yeah. you still bid the job, even though, you know, if you don't like, you got to use your history to figure out, okay. Yes. And no, you never want to do that. Um, most times just like yesterday, you know, they come through in the last hour, but you, you know, it, it, the last hour. Yeah. Normally that's, you know, Jeez. You're, you're, if you turn in a bit at, you know, one thirty-five and is due at two and you're casually strolling into the building, something didn't go right. right. Well, I, <laughs> it's too easy. Yeah. I remember doing this with you and it would be like, okay, uh, bids due at two or something. Yep. And then you, you're like, shit, I almost wish preferred some morning one. Cause then they get the bids to you sooner. But like some of the guys I swear, like worked on the bid that morning. Oh yeah. They're like, Oh yeah, we want to bid this. No, we had a $6 million one. Um, what was that Wednesday? And yeah, due at 11 AM. I mean, we were still getting bids until 1030. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, the day of is never fun. It's diff- you know, as we've grown here, we call it the war room. Oh, and that's where, uh, so yeah, you, you lock, goes down. Yeah. You lock four people in a room and you're reviewing every shred of paper that Wow, is uh, involved in that. So project. this is like the coffee's rolling that day. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a caffeinated fuel, <laughs> and everyone's on the show. edge of their seat. Because I, I remember you and I doing this back this was a while ago, but a few years ago we would we would lock down and try to check over everything, and yep. bids are laying on the floor and oh, yeah. stuck to the wall in groupings, and yep. you're just trying to collect and and identify what's missing, really. Yeah. In a and, short amount of time. And that's a lot of it is, like I said, the pre-planning. So, you know, typically the day before, um, bid forms are laying on the table, you know, half filled out minus final numbers. Um, you organize all your bids by division. Like you said, nothing's really changed there. Uh, print off every um, addendum issued just to make sure that you have the most accurate data. Um, you know, just really a lot of organizing and, Wow. It's a lot of hurry up and wait, unfortunately. <laughs> so you're like as prepared as you can get, but you still know the you rampage know the of ba- bids are yeah, coming you in. you know in the back of your mind. And that's where, um, you know, they always say three cat- three bids per division guaranteed. Well, 
you know, half the time you always want that at a minimum, but you get the guys who fall off at the last minute or something oh. changes or, you know, so. So you think the bid's coming, it never comes. Oh, yeah. Or it comes at yeah, 1030 five, and the bids, bids goes down to three or, you know, four bids goes to two and. Oh, my gosh. So. Yeah. So aggravating because you need to compile your numbers, which where, where, where does this live then? Like when you're entering all these numbers somewhere, are you like as a spreadsheet? Is it Procore? Like what, what how is it? Work? Yeah. How's so, it work? you know, everybody's a little different. Um, you go to a conference and they'll preach, you know, some sort of software. Um, right now we're still on an Excel sheet, just, you know, hyper refined. I think it's revision from when you and I started it. I think it's revision eight or nine. I don't even want to know anymore. Oh God. But, uh, it's the thing that never stops changing. Yeah. Which is good. You know, it, it's always a little more dialed in and it goes down to, you know, um, you enter, uh, basically all your bids by the CSI cost codes, um, just master format. So, I mean, it's, wow. Basically, material labor, subcontractor, nothing really. Gotcha. Pretty standard. So system. you compile it quickly, identify your either your low bidder or the bidder that's most complete, probably. Or yeah, and that's where you know it's always nice. And you know, normally you'll have one, possibly two numbers per category um, early on in the day of, so you can go through, read through bids, um, just kind of make a mental note of any exclusions they have or the random stuff. You know. Yep the one-off deals where, okay, you throw 500 bucks at this for whatever. Got it. Um, do you, so, so bid time. So you, is this just an email that's got to get pushed by two is two a hard deadline or, um, or are they, it's all over the place. They uh, gracious with you. A lot of people no, they're, it's very much a dead set cutoff. Um, so if it's two Oh five there, that's a no go. You, you, you just, you lose out on that one. So, oh God. Yeah. It's, uh, make you cry. It's happened before and it's never fun. And, <laughs> you know, uh, you got any good stories of, uh, a, a late bid? The only, uh, maybe I don't even want to know about Oh, the only big one you know about that's, uh, that was three, four, five years ago. I can't remember. Um, we had a school one due where I was about an hour, hour and a half away. And, uh, Bid opening was at the school. Yeah, bid opening. Two was hours at away. Two hours. Uh, I think yeah, an hour and a half. But, okay. Uh, driving through a snowstorm and. Oh yeah. Yeah, forty miles an hour when you're supposed to be doing seventy and. Watching know, the going, bid time just yeah, approach. Is you know you're driving slower and the clock ticks on. It's just it's disheartening as hell. But I think that's when we move to the like keep one guy on site. Yep. With guy, like three forms that are half filled out, yeah. and then keep one guy just lo- locked and loaded in the Which office. Is what we did this week with our Fargo bid, and you know it, it works out slick when it's that way. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunately one of those things where it happens. And yeah, there's got to be a better way. So there one, has to be a better way to do this. Like, what happens if our bid for this school was? Four hundred thousand dollars lighter because it was like the perfect job. Which is like, hilarious because it was. We were actually a little bit on that one. Oh. I went in there and just said, "Hey, you know, I'm fifteen yeah. minutes late. Right? You know, look outside. Tell me. I can tell you where I'm coming from. Obviously, you know, it doesn't matter what time I leave. I'm, I was still going to be late. <laughs> you know. Do we? So, who identifies this process? Is this the architect? Is this the like? It, is this how we do stuff when we bid projects? Or like, no. I get the hard time deadline. Exactly, I do because it keeps them accountable. Yeah, everyone. But like the process is like, yeah, the school could have saved if a bid turned in at two hundred two could have saved them four hundred thousand and exactly. a two million dollar job. Then for sure, sure makes a lot of sense. No, and that's where um, you know what one handy thing about. COVID, at least on our side of things, is the fact that, uh, you know, some bids have switched to digital. So, uh, you know, they do a secure um, email or, I, you know, different, there's different websites now where you can uh, submit your bids to, you know, it's a secure database where no one can view it prior to two o'clock. Okay. It's still a public opening via Zoom. Um, gotcha. It's really handy for us because then you take out that component of, you know, you have the right number. You just logistically could not get there in time. And that's the part that, you know, is super. So you couldn't have called them and said it's a blizzarding out. Oh yeah. Um, But the, the hilarious part about this is depending on the um, type of bid, you know, this happened this week where you are not allowed to call the architect 
24 hours prior. Um, yeah, so they, because any information given to you at that point, um, and some people, you know, I, there's a little bit of legal, you know, jargon behind that. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, support them, but I understand the unfair advantage piece because potentially if they slip up and say something, you're like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, jot down 10 grand less. But yeah, in the case of, I, I need to get this bid to you and there's no physical way that's happening. Unfortunately, you know, they just don't care. Get with, yeah. Probably get with the times is what I would tell those people. Yeah. Yep. Um, or, you know, like the electronic the random location. We'll, we'll send you a fax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Do you ever get a fax bid in? Oh, I've had multiple people ask me for that before, but I don't think this shit only happens. In I don't North think we, yeah, I don't know. I, say, like, I, I don't think we could even receive one if we tried. But yeah, you're trying to like download some app that yeah. can receive a fax. Oh, no, instead, don't worry. You uh, get the handwritten bid with a picture texted to you. Oh yes, yeah, those, that's those are one, my favorite. That's electronic method. Those are my favorite. <laughs> Did he sign it? Is it good? Oh, yeah. Is it good? I don't know. He wrote down a number. It looks yeah. good though. We got to roll with it. <laughs> yep. I think he gets the scope. Yep. So yeah, that's uh, it's just like a little bit like gambling a little bit. And, it is, and it's like. Do you know perfectly that where where the A contractor stops is where the B, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. is, is there is there any gaps? Because I'm sure there's always exactly. a gap. And, and that's where the, you know, I almost like um, multiple prime bidding. So there's single prime, which is, you know, we're a general contractor. You are the one and only person responsible for this. Um, a lot of government, um, city, state, local, Bids have all switched over to uh, general construction, mechanical construction, and electrical construction. Okay. Which plus or minus takes out some of that risk because it's like, okay, you got a two-year job and you didn't see that the electrician uh, forgot to add the temp lighting. Well, shit, there goes five grand, you know? Oh, got it. The simple things like that. Yep. Gotcha. Well, that's... uh well, hopefully that's helpful a little bit for the listener on walking you through a bid day. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought it was, it's always a high, like emotion, high, high freaking flying day. Yeah. All no, the time. It's, uh, and I know you're in the middle of it. So it's intense. And that's what it's, you know, on the better bids, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, oh. You know, the ones where bid day and you got a blank sheet, you're typically a little oh. high strung, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You yeah. Know. I don't have a lot to write down here, yeah. but I'm going to try and go high here. But and- uh, yeah, if it's, you know, honestly, if I walk into a day, if it's due at two o'clock and I'm 60, 70% filled out, like I feel pretty comfortable. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. There's your pre-construction bid day. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Um, I know we could go a lot deeper on this, um, but how the hell did you end up in something called pre-construction or drafting and... Uh, where, why, why that, or what, what's your story as a child and kind of bring us up to date? Yeah. So, um, originally I was, um, I was born in Pittsburgh. Um, my dad's side's from out there and then my mom's side is actually from the twin cities area. Uh, so grew up, uh, early part of my life in Pittsburgh and then, um, moved to Northfield, Minnesota, just south of twin cities. So, um, Went to, yeah, finished up school there. I went to high school there uh, and then came What What did you do in high school? Did you do any jobs? Um, so. Like, how did you figure out, like, pounding nails or, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know what you did to, so, to figure I mean, out. It's kind of always been a thing. Like, my dad and his buddies did random side jobs. My grandpa was huge into woodworking. So it's kind of always been a, a thing in my life. But, okay. Uh, wasn't super, like, crazy about it. Um. And then I, I actually went to school for aviation at UND for a couple of years before. Oh, I. Uh, so you weren't in pre-construction. No, your whole so life, I was completely, you know. You weren't born until no, yourself. Yeah, so I <laughs> just started uh, randomly started getting out of aviation. wasn't really sure what the hell I was going to do with my life at that point. Uh, yeah. Um, I worked at Menards throughout high school and uh, into college, so. I was still like around contractors enough to, you know, always have it a little bit of part of my life and did some random home rental stuff for, uh, our landlord throughout college. So, okay, you know, it, it was always like, uh, it was always present in my life, just never kind of a priority. Gotcha. And then, um, one summer I went home and 
uh, was down in the cities, worked for a high-end home builder and just randomly said, okay, well, hell, this sounds fun. It's easy enough. It was uh, just doing exteriors on houses. So oh, they, yeah. they kind of broke up, yeah. you know, the house building process that way. These were million-dollar homes. So I was the siding, you know, I was in charge of siding and roofing, just basically PMing that. The color know. and the yeah, whatever, just get the material up, there. And, get material there, line up the crews, kind of manage that piece of it. And yep. I did that for a summer, and then after that, I was kind of hooked. Huh. So, uh, Look at that. Yeah. But you still went into aviation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the other. So really, it's... So wait, uh, yeah, let's talk about that then. That was always the... the. So my dad's uh he was an airplane mechanic and now uh, does like aircraft maintenance management. All oh, okay. Um, so maybe that's the aviation oh, yeah. attraction so, side mean, of things. We grew up staring at freaking runways, watching planes land at oh, airports okay. all the time. So like, yeah, that was kind of always a hook for me. Um, Got it. Just Got quickly it. realized that. You know, at the time, uh, aviation was slow. Pilots were not getting jobs, and I paid my own. What year was this? This was like oh nine. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. great time. Yeah, so like <laughs> great time. No, I mean middle fl- of the recession. My flight instructor at the time, he was like twenty six years old, trying to you know hack it through to get enough hours to get into the airlines, and I'm sitting here like, well, I'm paying my own way through college. So what's <laughs> what's this in for me? <laughs> Well, that time was, you know, I don't remember flying a bunch at that time in my life, but like, what, were there just pilots, like less people flying and less, um, I, I mean. I really don't know. I mean, just in general, like things were slow. Um, right. Just slow. You know, I, I, from what I see on social media nowadays with UND aviation, it's like the the airlines are actively seeking out pilots. Like they're doing job fairs every, every other week, I swear. And Back when I was in school, it was like if you didn't have a 4.0 GPA and oh. were trying to be sucked up by the military, like you were, you were probably gonna be a flight instructor for another three to five years after college. Yeah. So what? So what's the process? You you uh, you graduated high school. You went right, right into to UND, right to UND aviation yeah, so, program. Yep. I uh, you know I toured a bunch of different schools and then decided on Grand Forks and gosh. Yeah, I know. The rest is just kind of, it's kind of a blur because, yeah. uh, you know, once I got out of that, it was trying to figure out, okay, like, what what do I do? Yeah. And then, you know, I almost transferred back to the U of M, which I know is a cardinal sin, but <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like, well, there's really nothing up here. And then I went for the summer and I was like, okay, well, I'll go to Northland and do drafting and See where that takes me if I go back. So wait, so wait a minute. How long were you in the aviation for? You're like hell with this. I so I did aviation uh, for a year and a half, and then was um, doing some intro to air traffic control at that time too. Okay. Just how like, long a program is this? Like it's four years. It's a four year education to be part. a pilot, commercial yep. airline pilot. Yep. And that's kind of the other thing too is, um, you know, we live in North Dakota. We're all aware of what's going on outside right now. So like that year especially was bad. So. I was like, well, I'm unsure of this, and my flight hours per week are at like three when they should be at about twelve. So, so, so you're I, going to school, and plus you need flight hours. Yeah. So is it full time, like twelve, fifteen, eighteen credits, whatever, yeah, like that type 12, of thing? Fifteen average, yeah. Okay. And then uh, you know you're trying to get your flight hours, and it's it's a great program. It's just I, w- I was standing there looking at the reality of the situation, going, okay, like is this the wisest move for myself? <laughs> you know? So, so how, how much does it cost? Like if you're going to go into the aviation program, what's one year cost? Yeah. Um, so I think I, I mean, I'm sure you're looking at, Oh yeah. I'm looking, I, I look at my, you know, uh, student loans. <laughs> you every smile day. too. I bet when oh, you yeah, see I them. chuckle to myself <laughs> one day that'll pay off. <laughs> you got it, man. No, I think at the time it was like 120 K a year. Yeah. No, for the whole program, the whole program. Okay. Yep. So you're, you're, 30 grand, 30 a, grand year. a year. Yeah. Um, this podcast is a little bit about unfollow the herd and, and um, you know, which can mean a couple of things, entrepreneurship, you know, we talk about real estate, whatever, but the, uh, the core to this is that like, yeah, you go, you went to college cause you, you liked aviation. Yep. I don't know if you were passionate about it. Maybe you were, you were maybe passionate about it year one, but year two kind of yeah, lost it, its it luster. Lose, yep. 
<laughs> yeah, you lose it quick when the honeymoon phase. I think they yeah, call that when you start staring at year two of your loans, and it's like, well, that was fun, but <laughs> yeah, gotcha. What's in it for me long term? I mean, now it's because yeah. you can't have a job. Like you can't be doing full time school and twelve hours a week. You said in flight. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's not every week. It depends. Um, you know, you're trying to get uh, between simulator time and flight time. I think uh, you know, twelve is on the high side, but it's. Anywhere from, I mean, you shoot for at minimum six, seven hours. So can, you could probably work if you want to do you could. somewhat. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely have a part-time job in there, but it's. Gotcha. Uh, you're all in on aviation. Yeah. You, you're in it to win it. So. <laughs> oh, well, but. well, we'll talk about your student loans later. Yeah. Um, so you rolled into, so how, how did you roll from all in on aviation to what did you go into it? You went to a tech school then? Yeah, so I went to Northland. Um, it's architectural design drafting. So it was kind of like um, when I worked at this company down the cities, um, there was a great pre-con guy down there. And he, he kind of led me into this a little bit where um, he had basically, him and I followed the same path in the end. Yeah. Um, and he just went out, you know, went to a tech school, got his drafting deal and, you know, they do high-end homes. So depending on who it is, they go to an architect or they design with Nate. And, um, you know, it was kind of nice just, you know, getting bouncing ideas off of him because it's like, okay, do I, do I, you know, I'm looking at doing this. Do I go to a four-year school or do I just oh. go the tech route, see where it leads me, and then go from there? So, and by the end of the summer, I was like, okay, I'm just – Going back to Grand Forks, I'm going to go to the tech, just knock this shit out and get it done as quick as I can. So do you have interest in drafting? Oh, yeah. Um, something that, you know, I was... It just seems like it's kind of like a crazy move, honestly, but yeah. unless you had some interest in it. It was, well, it just, I, I kind of followed him around a little bit for the summer because uh, what I got down to with a lot of these projects is he was doing a lot of the um, exterior design almost live as these homes were being built or if it was a renovation, cause they did a lot of, um, you know, hundred year old homes in the Minneapolis area. Okay. So it was a lot of design as you go, which I, I laugh about in the hindsight because I do the same thing sometimes. <laughs> um, and you know, the more we got into it and, you know, viewing different projects with him, it's like, okay, this is something I'm really interested in. Like, let's, I should just take this and see where it goes. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's freaking awesome. So, so you completed this, you, did you complete the program? Yep. So, uh, graduated a couple years later. Um, what year are we in now? We're oh probably gosh. in, in 10, 12, uh, 11, 12, 11 Must be 12. 12, 11 or 12. Yeah. Cause I started in 13 uh, and I was working here for, I mean, I graduated while working here. Yeah, you so, did. Yeah, you did. It was a funny story about that. Um, that Jesus is a long time ago. I don't think we had an office at all. No. Um, I was just a guy that was pouring concrete, I think, at the time, really. Yeah. And I was I was like, flirting around with Google SketchUp. Yep. And uh I think I met you at Caribou Coffee in my memory. Yep. And uh we I, I don't even know what it what was I hiring for? I don't even know. <laughs> God, it was something. We, we, you know, it was I, something. I laugh about this all the time because I think you had just gotten. Um, you guys had done a few GC jobs prior, but I think you had just landed like your first home, and I think it yeah. was like a. Yeah, it was like um, I don't know some sort of designer. I think is what you posted for, and I was like, oh hell, okay, well this is. I found my weakness. And it's Google SketchUp. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I do remember that because the first few weeks you were proud of these things and it was, I mean, it got, <laughs> I was, it, it got the job done. It had dimensions. When you're a concrete guy, you're pretty proud on anything you can do on a computer. <laughs> um, I was decent at spreadsheets, um, but as a, uh, I was very good at concrete. That was, I liked doing concrete. I liked doing, I wanted to be innovative in the concrete world, which you can't innovate a 2000 year old process yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's rock sands and waters and in yep. little portland and there you go, there you go. <laughs> but there was stamped concrete kind of coming out at that time and more yeah. coloring and um it probably wasn't new in 2013 but 
in North Dakota, things come like 20 years late. So I'm yeah. sure in 1983, like, it was everywhere else. But oh, yeah. it finally it, it hit was, us. And, it was the latest, greatest hit in Grand Forks. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe the late 90s. So I was like, okay, we got to do this. So what I would do is part of the, because I like sales. I kind of like the sales process, but always the wives like, they had to spend five, 10 grand on a patio. Could be a lot for mm. some people. So I was like, you know what? I can I can take this a step further and draft it out in 3D, which was cool. Like Google SketchUp. Yep. I think it was free. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could just download it. I'd draw the back of their house and draw some curves. And, you know, my, my dad used to just lay down the old garden hose yeah. and uh, spray her out and then uh, tell them what, how much it would cost. And yep. then, um, you know, I just seemed to think that there was a better method. Yeah. <laughs> like Google SketchUp. And <laughs> I think we did that process for a while. I oh, think we did I, for way too many years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we came on. So thank God you're here because, um, yeah, at that point, I needed a designer. I was like, geez, I think I like compared my drawing to someone else's drawing. I'm like, geez, this could be a lot better if I just like had someone that knew how to do drafting. <laughs> and I didn't enjoy it. Like I was doing it at night. You yeah. know, of course, I'm doing everything at night, all my bidding and sales. And then during the day, I'm pouring concrete. So that was the process. But yeah, I remember meeting at the old Caribou Coffee and then, yeah, designer. And you were at school still. Yep. Yeah, and so. uh and you were working out of my office. Yeah. I don't know what. What's your fond early memories of this? Oh, let's see. Um, there's got to be something that sticks out. There's gonna yeah. be a good story about. Oh, this. there's a couple. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, moving into a well. Wait, they say make it happen. That's literally the only yeah. reason we're here right now. Because yeah, did a lot of things I shouldn't. Oh, uh, just yeah. I mean, we were. I think it was like a week after because you guys were just moving into your house. I think when I had started. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, between concrete pouring and random, you know, you showing me the random ways you were estimating and whatnot at that time, like the first week was like, so where are we going to work out of? I'm like, uh, it's not really a question that, you know, I ever thought I'd be asked, <laughs> but I mean, I employed a guy and asked him where he's going to work. Yeah. Where do you want to work? Yeah. I mean, I got a big TV at my house. You want to yeah. hook up your laptop to that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it was for about the first week. And then, uh, yeah, we, I think, yeah, we started at stones back of stones, mobile radio. So that, Oh was, yeah. Yeah. Thank know. God for my father-in-law hooked me that up was, with a yeah, little, that was a little office space in the corner. Yep. Yeah. We, our office was like all of what, maybe a hundred square feet. Yeah, it was like a laboratory room. Like it was. Yeah, like, I don't even know what it was designed for, but I mean, it worked. It <laughs> wasn't for us, and we're like bringing customers back. Like, here, just come through this weird shop, <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah, we're just kind of back there in the corner. Yep, just just walk through the, you know. The yeah, yeah, we we're. It's probably a proud moment though. We had an office. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was cool. If we called that an office, yeah, it yeah. was. It was something. We had a place to drop. Yeah, ourselves. life was simple. Yeah, um, we did a few different moves, and and. Uh, your job kind of always stayed consistent, though. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, pretty much pre-construction-based most of the time. Um, there was a little, I mean, little PM work in there the first couple of years. Yeah, and yep. The dividing of, uh, you know, we used to divide our concrete crews out. Oh, yeah. So everybody picked a crew, and then <laughs> that's who you... Yeah, you just call the office team when you had a pour. Yeah. And then every, everyone comes out and pours. Yeah, 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 Doesn't yeah. matter if you're Chelsea, if you're yeah. Zach. We hey, there's a pour at eight a.m. Yeah. We're gonna need everyone on the wheelbarrows. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So you just knew if you're gonna work in the office, that you're gonna be you're yeah. gonna help get the mud laid down, and then you can go back to doing your job. Yep. And let the three other guys figure out the concrete, yeah. getting it getting it laid down nice. Yeah, I do remember that. Always got to be helpful. Make it happen. I think is what our motto was. We had a pretty small group. Yeah, I mean, and we thought homes were like the next big ticket for us. Like we were gonna make it in the home world. Yep, didn't happen that way. No, it was uh, homes. Are, homes can be hard, I think, because of well, I mean, you're like married to whoever you're building a house for. Um, it could be six, nine months, and you make thirty grand on the deal, and it's like that yeah. was painful. Well, you know, <laughs> it's just I, I think it's not what we did. It was not right. Our, if it's your sole focus. But it's like, I think back to then, it's like, well, our our sole focus was still concrete at that point. You right. Know? Yeah. 50% we, of your energy was always devoted to the concrete world that yeah. day, you know, 
each and every day. So I feel like that always is still for us. But yeah, yeah, that that brings in a good point. Like whatever you can focus on and find niched, because I think we found at some point we were starting to really do it all. Yeah, and, we, and spread our horizons almost thinned us out, and we weren't making you can't make money that way. No, you're just focused on too many different things. You right. know, it's like. Yeah, we were building homes, doing patios, trying to get into commercial concrete, slowly taking on random, you know, larger DC projects. Uh, you know, we had our little steel, uh, steel crew. Yeah, steel crew. For yeah, we were getting diversified, and it was just yeah, simplification and really dialing in. I think is what helped us. Yeah, yeah. I remember at some point it's like, all right, we can't be this we got to get laser focused on a couple of things and we got down to like, we're going to general contract and we're going to manage concrete projects and perform operate concrete projects. And I think that was a good move. Yeah. Made, made life a lot simpler for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so any, any key contractor out there, don't be the jack of all trades and the master of none because your profit margin will be none. So, um, um, yeah, well that's, that's good. So, you know, that kind of leads us up into more into today's world of yeah. what we're doing now and, and things still remain consistent. We're, we're, we're going, we're trying to move big places. We're trying to do more things in the general contracting world and just get really niched and really well. Yeah. And I think we're starting to, you know, really dial that in. Uh, you know, we're finding our focus and, you know, we don't, we're at the point where we know what we're good at. Um, you know, just starting to branch out into different markets, I think, is kind of our yeah our place. So, so what's uh, where are we where do we think we're going in the pre-construction world? What's the what's the avenue to get better jobs that are more suited to us? Obviously, you guys are always working on that, and yeah, in the development world, and I mean, yeah, in the you know the design bid build phase or you know method of construction, um, it's you know really unfortunately. With that side, it's a lot of your own resume. You know, it's actually completing jobs and getting up to that point to where you start getting those phone calls. Like we're, you know, we're finally starting to see is where it does. You know, a lot of times the project will still go out to public bidding, but the architect is reaching out to you two or three days prior, saying, "Hey, this is something I think is up your alley." Um, Architects you know. reaching out to you. Yep. Okay. Cool. And it's it's kind of nice to see because you know they they've seen us. And they've seen our work now to where they know like, oh, you know, Mac Construction, this is something that they've done something similar for another architect. Like, you know, I'm sure they vet you a little bit before people know enough about us to where, um, you know, know a little bit of our history typically when they reach out. Right. And uh, it's nice to see. It's, you know, something that we've never had in the past. So it's like, yeah, I know potentially there's five guys, but, well. Obviously, they're calling you for a reason, so it's yeah. you know it's something worth it. Yeah, yeah, and it takes it takes a little while to build the trust with the architects, and those really are the biggest job leads. You know, you can get customers that come in your door as well, but almost because we're trying to work through CMER now, which is a little bit different than just general contracting. Yeah, and the you know so CMER is uh, construction manager at risk, and that's something where again your your resume really represents you know before you're even at the table of you know so uh typically that process is a um it's called an rfq request for qualifications so i mean you you are sending out basically it it is your resume to um either the owner the owner's rep uh, sometimes they are already working with an architect okay um and that's where you know they select you to basically finish complete design or start design in some instances uh, and really take that project to completion. So they're vetting you. The, the, the architects are reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. So if you were a five-year-old company and you're trying to, you're hitting that $5 million threshold ceiling, yeah. you know, where you're still kind of doing everything, um, you know, you're, what's your best advice to that guy at that pre-construction level? Because I think we hit different levels, right? Like yeah, you do. 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, you hit... You plateau you, you at hit, different points, and it yeah. depends on who you are as a company. And, um, you know, part of what I think helped us is we did go through that growth phase where we were always trying to look for different avenues of revenue. Um, and I think it helped us build a little faster. Sure. Um, you know, we also had 
a little development in there as well to, you know, get that revenue up yeah. and really, you know, be able to showcase what we can do privately. Um, in the public world, if you're out there bidding, you know, I hate to say it sometimes, but getting aggressive, you know, if you're, if you find yourself plateauing, um, you know, find a project that you know you can complete well and just, you know, you hate to say buy some projects, but be very aggressive with it and take it and then just absolutely knock it out of the park and show what you can do. Gotcha. Because they, you know, architects and engineers, they will recognize that. So you're buying them? Uh, Hopefully not. (laughs) Um, You know, your margins are slimmer, but you look at it as a... So you're just just lowering the margin. Yeah, so, you know, you tighten up your margins and sometimes it, you know, takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But, um, you know, we completed a project here or I guess we are next week, um, two-year process. And, you know, it's our largest project to date. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, uh, that's a great... It's something that, you know, we, we have on our back pocket now to say, hey, this this is what we can build. Yeah. You know, we're more than capable of yeah. you know, anything you could throw at us. So what's the what's the biggest difference? You see some of this management level. Is the bidding level ever any different from a two million dollar project versus a twelve million? So like 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 in the pre construction phase, like if I'm a smaller five million dollar contractor, I'm doing maybe a million, so like a really big job. Yep. Um What's it like at the $10 million level? Um, is, it, is the process any different? The process is mostly the same. Um, you know, and from our side, it's a lot of, you, you need to look at it as, you know, because if you go from one to a $10 million project, you can scare yourself right out of even looking at that project if you're not thinking about it in terms of scalability. You know, bids are always higher. It's sometimes scary to look at because it's like, oh, you know, uh, I have an electrical contractor. So normally he's 50, 60, 70,000 dollars. Oh, now he's 700. Like, oh shit. If he misses something or if I miss something, that's not a small mistake. And, you know, it needs to be in the back of your mind, but it also can't hold you back from right. that job, you know. Yep. And that, I think, was one of my things um, as we grew was learning to trust these subs and you know, make sure their bid sheet is complete. And that happens just with the size of project as well. You know, if you're building homes, you're probably going to have a one sheet of paper bid from a contractor and it's going to list out 10 items and that's what you get, you know. Okay. If it's $700,000 and, you know, they better have, you know, the entire electrical division, uh, communication, security, so on and so forth, and then, you know, typically it's a two, three page deal where inclusions and exclusions is, you know, pretty concise. Is it, is it any easier from 1 million to 10 million? Do you get, I mean, I would imagine you get better contractors maybe. You do. And More refined contractors. Yeah. So you get the larger contractors who, you know, also ha- have the reputation of, you know, completing projects of that scale. And that's also nice to see because you, you get the bigger names and, you know, you feel more comfortable with that as well. There is a a comfort piece with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I guess as you grow, one thing I will say just is your first bigger builds you do don't find something that's incredibly complex. You know, um, our largest project to date. Yeah. We well, almost 10 X, you know, from what we would normally do, but, um, you know, you find contractors where I think we had a total of, 10 subs in the whole project yeah you know so it's nice because right you're not trying to manage in the pre-construction world okay there's 30 subs a million different things that you're trying to focus on sure you know find those guys who will you know even bid multiple things for you kind of wrap it all up into a package deal yeah bigger simpler projects are, yeah. are probably fine too and, and yeah because there's rules of thumbs to not do a three million and then go do a 12 million it's just there's there's error in that because yeah. you don't know at the $12 million level, it's just different. And yep. it's, it's managed different. It's communicated different. There's different subs. There's potentially bigger problems if you don't identify them. Yep. So um, let's talk a little bit about the development game because I think that's like, I mean, that's a lot of what we do. And I think you kind of referred to it about how we grow as a company, why we've grown probably a yep. little quicker than most. Um, and, uh, you know, this was some risks taken on by me and, and be able to get some loans and, 
because you got bonding capacities and things you have to deal with. I have to, you got to have someone with some kind of money to be able to get a $20, $20 million bond or a $10 million bond and, and qualify. So, um, because the development game, we also work, I mean, rely about half our work is, yeah, is development. Is that yeah, probably fair say, to say you know, if we did 30 to 50% depending on the year? And, yep. You know, it's, and that's one great thing about our company is, you know, we always have that source of revenue to where you, you can create your own work to a certain degree. Yep. Um, you know, both general contracting and concrete. So it, it, it brings a nice, uh, complimentary piece to the construction side where, you know, I'm not, not that you can just create a job out of thin air, but you, you know, there's opportunity there to grow as well. And I think that's where, you know, for us, it was townhomes in the beginning, um, yeah. you know, buying into a development and just saying, okay, this is a three to five year play for us. And, but this is consistent, you know, work of, you know, one to $3 million a year. So. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I just started figuring out the real estate game and it's like, wow, we got all the tools here, you know, whether it's design, build, CMAR, manage the project, design it, um, value engineer it, everything in house. Um, that's why I always tell other developers, it's like, you don't always want to be the contractor side. If honestly they want to stay on the ownership side, because there's a lot of stuff that's wheeling and dealing, especially through COVID with development, like fluctuations and risks that we're taking as contractors for typically really low margins. And, and so I think, I think the development game has kept us strong, especially through recessions and things like we're probably facing now. It's like margins are getting squeezed. Contractors are bidding lower. Well, we need work still to keep our company moving forward and grow. We actually like to grow in recessions. Yeah. Um, and so I think the development has helped us give us a niche. And maybe for another contractor out there, I would tell you to get into some kind of real estate, the development, figure out something you can build for yourself. If you have no work this year, like um, I don't know what trade you do or if you're general contracting, but like figure out something where you can either team up with another um, subcontractor or, or see if you can get something built for yourself and own it for a long time, because you got to build up some net worth. You got to be able to have some bonding capacities to keep growing in the bid world. Oh yeah. And that's just it. You don't need to start with, you know, thinking, you know, have the mindset of where you need to go out. And if you're a $2 million a year company, you know, don't try to go out and, um, you know, have your first project be a half million bucks, you know, <laughs> Start something small. It could be anything. Um, just to get into that mindset and, you know, start refining that process a little bit. I mean, hell, when we first started, it was like th- there was no process. There was, there was you know, yeah, just, right. we thought of it, you know, it, it took even probably two years for, you know, your brain to really switch over into a real estate perspective. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's the the push and pull of interest rates versus costs. Costs have to come down, but costs rise and interest rates rise at the same time. It's an interesting moment that we're in right now, but you, 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 I, I've known this for the last few years. I've educated myself a lot in how to get these projects to work and, and get things off the ground so our construction company can continue to work in that world. And, and hopefully we can help other developers as well. Like it's not just us, it's, um, we just have built the machine that can make a project come to live now, yeah. which we're pretty proud of. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have any CMAR or development work, which is basically us representing the buffer between the owner and the architect and contractor and all the subs, like we can definitely help you in that range. Like Zach has brought multiple projects where he is the only representation for the owner and we can tra- we control the architect, we control the contractors, we control the whole bid. So you as an owner don't get confused about going to hire a big architect that all of a sudden drafts this project that's way over budget. You never seen that before, Zach. Yeah, oh, all the bells and whistles. <laughs> you drew a Cadillac. We need a Kia. Yeah. And uh, so because the Kias perform on paper and the Cadillacs uh, won't perform on yes, paper. Unfortunately, don't ever go. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we, we, we always want the Cadillac, but we end up with the Kia in the... So you have to understand the whole process through. And I think it's so important when you're in the contracting world because there's value engineering, there's all these things that we do on the back end 
to make sure the architect's on the same page as the contractor because we know where pricing's coming in. And we want a project to move forward. We don't want to get to a project all of a sudden it's way overpriced and now we can't do anything and now we need to build a Kia instead. And, you know, so um, hopefully, you know, some of you guys out there can find value with this. And if you have a project that you're thinking about in rental or whatever, we can provide a ton of value for you. Um, so you miss all the mistakes out there because there's plenty of mistakes that we've made along the way, Zach. Oh, yeah. um, and we learn and, and we try to grow from them and make new processes to, to just help mitigate those. And so we don't want anyone out there making the mistakes themselves. Um, but Zach, I got a couple more questions for you and we're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, uh, and I've asked most of the people this in the podcast, I've been missing these questions, but in a five year, like area, where do you envision yourself? You know? So, and this can be personally, I, you know, business wise things, you know, whatever, yeah. but like, where do you, where do you envision yourself five years from today? You know, that's a question that a, you know, I kind of review almost yearly and, I think what I'd like to be at as um, kind of refine, you know, I like the pre-construction side. Yeah. That's my thing. I I know that's my thing. Yeah. Um, Really have that honed in and being able to run um, multiple, I hate to say it like divisions, but you know, we have our kind of our general contracting and then, you know, obviously development's a piece of that, but uh almost separation of those and just have one thing, you know, one side focused on running yeah. design bid build or CMAR and then the other solely focused on development. I personally like development more. So I guess that's where, you know, my yeah. brain goes to getting into that. Um, for sure. You know, for sure. How being, about personally? Personally, uh, you know, whether it's a five year dream. Yeah. Uh, build a house and, for sure. Uh, you know, my wife and I joke about that almost daily now, but, (laughs) um, but you know, kind of going back to where we went beginning, I, you know, renew my pilot's license, get that going. Uh, that's one thing I I do want to do that again. You know, that's one thing that's been removed for a while. That's a, a goal of mine here and it's been for a while, but, uh, you know, realistically in the next five years have that renewed and at least partial ownership of a, a plane to, jump back and forth well here's here's the bet then you you, you we, i want the plane too that'd be oh, that'd be a good five-year goal i know you do yeah um i, I don't want to fly it though right. i don't want anything to do with flying it um but let's do some developments and get the plane you know it's like maybe that's the five-year window that's yeah. that's the dream outcome i'll we'll have to hang a plane somewhere in this office yeah stare at it every day and <laughs> yeah 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 we're, we're we just need to figure out how to make developments less and find our niche because um, we'll figure that out and then, uh, by the plane. I like that. Yeah. Uh, one last question. What does unfollow the herd mean to you? Um, you know, uh, as I've heard it a lot from you in the last couple of weeks and I've, I've thought about it a little bit just because it's like, uh, if that's our, you know, it's a new saying for me at least. So like, it's not, you know, it, it's trying to find the, um, I hate to say it, not path of least resistance, but uh, new avenues where everybody, you know, you always know the safe play. What's the, what's the brainstorming crazy ass idea that or the least crazy of those crazy ass ideas, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's probably a fair way to put it. Yeah. I, I don't know a good way to say that, but what's uh, the safest crazy ass idea you've got yeah. in your brain right now? Oh, I God. like that. Yeah. I mean, it just be unique. You know, it's not, you know, we all know what is comfortable and makes sense. And, you know, the, the logical piece of it, mm-hmm. but what's going to have the greatest return and what is going to, you know, both professionally, personally, however you want to look at that. But like, you know, if you're, uh, you know, just as an example, if you're an average runner and you, you know, comfortably can win a 10 K, well, go shoot to run a marathon and, you know, complete it in whatever time. Think of a PR that you can know you could hit and I'll decrease it by 30 minutes. Oh, don't decrease it by an hour because that's probably going to kill you. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. just do, be different, I guess. Yeah. 
Well, no, hey, I love that. Uh, be unique. I think that's uh, I think that's really what unfollowing the herd means. Take your own path, right? Yeah. And um, well, Zach, I appreciate your ten years of service here at Mac Construction too. That's uh, that's awesome, and uh, the longest running Mac Construction guy on the on the hug. Where do where do they find you if they got pre construction questions? Um, you can reach out on my email. It's just Zach at Mac ConstructionGF.com or. Yeah. Uh, Call our office, uh, 701-330-8196. Look at that. You can call them. Call us up. and Call them. Ask them a question. Yeah, any questions you guys have, any projects you're thinking of, um, let me know. We can try and figure out something for you. Yeah. Appreciate you all. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, bud. Thanks. All right. We'll see you guys in the next one.